Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You might have heard that Ben and Jerry's would not sell its ice cream to Israeli settlements. Why? Because Ben and Jerry's, even though they were founded by uh, two guys, Ben Cohen and Jerry Greenfield, who are Jewish, uh, well, they think that uh, Israel shouldn't object to Hamas lobbing rockets at them all the time and that they should be thankful, I guess, for the rocket's red glare over Jerusalem and other Israeli settlements. And so in a fit of pique, they refused to sell Ben and Jerry's ice cream to Israeli settlements, any areas occupied by Jews. They wouldn't, two Jewish guys would not sell their ice cream to them. Uh, ben and Jerry's said, well, wait, aren't they owned by somebody else? Aren't they not even in business anymore? Well, they cashed out $326 million to a big company called Unilever in 2000, but they retained the right to decide where their product could be sold. Uh, well, now, because consumers rose up and protested against Ben and Jerry's. Some states, even New York and California, divested themselves of investments in Unilever for their state retirement systems because of this blatantly anti-Semitic policy of not selling Ben and Jerry's ice cream in Israel. And so now Unilever has been forced to sell its Israeli operations for Ben and Jerry's to uh, a local person over there in the West Bank. So that's a good thing. And it shows you what you can do and what you can get done when you vote with your dollars. Look, I have no objection, no objection at all on the abortion front to if you want if you want to move out of the state of Ohio, if you want to not support companies that you think uh brought about decisions at the state level that you don't agree with. Fine. That's what the whole Patriot Switch movement's about. I'm a big part of that. I don't have a problem with that. But I don't think that the wild liberal ideas out there that get so much mention and so much noise, I don't think they're mainstream ideas. I say all the time, we're not alone. We're just quiet. And we need to stop being quiet. Because if we start, if we continue to be quiet, then the loud voices will steamroll us, will be engulfed in the tidal wave of woke culture. So I'm glad that uh, the people of Israel can eat the ice cream that they want, but I'm really glad now that two, this is a despicable, two Jewish guys were as anti-Semitic as Cohen and Greenfield were in refusing to allow their ice cream to be sold in Israel. 
Now, we've been talking about politics and about the midterm elections, and I was shocked this morning, shocked, when Hugh Hewitt had Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, on the Hugh Hewitt show. And he asked her what I knew he would ask her, are you running for president in 2024? And she started to answer it the way that I thought she would answer it, which is not to answer it, because most politicians... We all know Ron DeSantis is running for president. We all know Mike Pompeo is running for president and Nikki Haley's running for president and maybe Tom Cotton's running for president. But look, I started getting Christy Nome campaign solicitation emails a year and a half ago. So there's no doubt in my mind that Christy Nome is going to run for president. But, but she said something today that caught me a little bit by surprise. And I could tell from the way Hugh reacted to it that it caught him by surprise as well. I got to ask you, a lot of people will look at a book by Christine Ohm coming out in 2022 and say she's running. I mean, I mean that's, what, that's what they'll say. She's running. She's running in 2024. Are you running? Uh, well, I'm not I'm not running. No, I'm running for re-election. Of I, you're going to win re-election. Come on. Well, I'm talking about the presidential. I haven't lost yet, so I'm planning on. I've run quite a few races, and I always win, so I'm determined to do that. You know, I think that the 2024 race will take care of itself. We got a lot of people interested in running for president. I would say this country does need new leadership. I'm not convinced it has to be me at all. I want to do what I can for my state and continue to do what I can to protect this country. But um, I'm not planning to run. You're one of the, what? What? You're not planning to run? I'm not planning on it. No, I think that there's a, there's a lot of there's probably 50 people out there that want to run for president right now from the Republican Party. I'm not convinced it has to be me. Now, that's a clever way to handle the question. I'm not planning to run. But plans can change, right? So that, to me, was just the normal, typical, I don't want to say, but I'm probably going to. And then, though, then, though, she went a little bit farther in her conversation when Hugh asked her about, well, is there anything, if you're not planning to run, is there anything that could change your mind. Are there circumstances that would uh, lead you to change your mind and throw your hat in the ring, as you have often done, uh, literally, and not my first well, you know, rodeo? I think President Trump is going to run, and if he runs, I'm going to support him. You know, he did his policies did fantastic things for our country. So, so Nancy Pelosi's one-six hearings have not changed your mind at all. No, I mean half of that testimony I don't believe was even true or remotely close to reality. So that's it's ridiculous what's going on out there. All right, I'm coming back. Unfortunately, they had to go to break. But I felt like that was a much, much different denial than most denials by most candidates. I'm not planning to run. We'll see when we get there. I've got a race to concentrate on right now. All I'm concerned about is the job I have in the Senate. They have myriad ways of denying this. But for her to say, "Mm, I think Trump's running. And if Trump's running, I'm going to support him. I have friends who are connected who tell me Trump is absolutely positively running. I keep holding out hope that Trump will do what Trump has done ever since he didn't win in 2020. That he will be somebody who galvanizes the party, keeps people excited, anoints people who he believes authentically represent the policies and positions that he did as president. I'm a little little questioning on the whole Dr. Oz thing. But... I I think Donald Trump could function 
not only best, but happily, but most happily in that role. I think, you know, if you've ever done anything out of revenge, most people who do something out of revenge, which I which I believe Trump, if he runs for president, he would do it to, obviously, and, and understandably, do an in-your-face to the people who did nothing but try to diminish him from the moment he was elected president, even before he was elected president. I understand the anger. I understand the desire for revenge. I just don't think that's particularly healthy for a person, and I don't think it also provides the satisfaction that a person expects to get. I'll show you. Well, yeah, you might show them, but you know, you don't really typically get out of it what you think. So I think he'd be happier, and I think the country would be better off, not because I think his policies were arguable in any way, shape, or form. I think his policies were fantastic. I I would order up right now, if I could, on the menu of candidates in front of me, a candidate who would do exactly what he did on every single thing he did it. Uh, now, this conversation reminds me of a snippet from the Joe Rogan podcast. He had Gina Carano, the actress, on, and they were talking about Joe Biden and about the presidential election yet to come in 2024. Yeah, so all this stuff is happening while we have a dead man as a president. Yeah, you know it's it's just. Um, are you throwing not, out any um, fun. any support towards anyone? Or are you going to hold off and? Uh, I know, didn't Elon Musk uh, come out recently for DeSantis? Yeah, yeah, I think Ron DeSantis would work as a good president. I mm-hmm. think. I mean, what he's done for Florida has been admirable. I feel like what he did for Florida, a lot of people gave him a lot of grief, but ultimately he was correct. He was correct when it comes to like deaths. He was correct when it comes to protecting all vulnerable populations. He was correct in terms of distribution of monoclonal antibodies. And he was furious when the government tried to pull those. They were trying to pull very effective treatments. You know, he is not perfect. He's a human being. But um, what he's done is stand up for freedoms. And Mm. people think that there's there's some some weird gaslighting that, that went on where people equated freedom and saying the word freedom to like right-wing bigotry and hate is so strange. I'll say it is. DeSantis 2024. Former Attorney General Bill Barr gave a state uh, a speech in Chicago over the weekend and Bill Barr nails it. I saw a tweet last night from Lauren Boebert, uh, Congresswoman uh, from Colorado. And she talked about the incorrect emphasis on this so-called separation of church and state. There is no mention of separation of church and state in the Constitution. This is an extrapolation and expansion of the Establishment Clause of the Constitution, which, remember, go back to our founding. We had the official Church of England. And the pilgrims who came to America wanted to practice their own religious faith. From the pilgrims coming to America came the American Revolution, 
And one of the tenets of the American Revolution was that you should be allowed to practice the faith of your choosing without the government mandating a certain religion or preferencing a certain religion. And so that has morphed into this phrase, there's a separation, a wall of separation between the church and state. Well, that is not the intention of the founders. And Bill Barr argues, correctly in my view, that we are in a crisis because we have magnified something and made it the de facto law of our land that was never the intention of our founders. He says, our whole civilization is based on the Judeo-Christian tradition, and that tradition is under sustained attack by increasingly militant secular forces. Now, look at the pushback against the Supreme Court. Oh, an activist court. Oh, it's a religious conservatives. Well, the Roe versus Wade overturn was not a religious-based decision. It was a constitutional law decision. When you hear Kamala Harris or AOC or others say that the Supreme Court took away a constitutional right, that is not accurate. The justices ruled that the right to an abortion does not exist in the Constitution and has never existed in the Constitution. Can you find the word abortion in the Constitution? No, you cannot. So how can there be a right to abortion in a document that does not mention that word or that procedure? So Bill Barr is on target with his assessment. We see this hatred toward all things religion, and we see it with other things that have just come up before the court in this particular time. I mean, we had the ruling on the football coach from the state of Washington who dared to pray on the field after a game without asking, inviting, or compelling anyone to participate. He was fired by his school district for for exercising his freedom of religion. And they were saying, no, no, he's coercing kids to pray with him because he's a coach and he's a position of authority. And after all, there's a wall of separation between the church and the state. And the public schools are the stand-in for the state in this particular example. Faith and matters of faith were never meant to be walled off from citizens in our culture, separated, unattainable. That was not the wisdom of the founders, belief of the founders, or the result of the founders' founding documents. And Bill Barr makes the point that there are two ways to restrain people in our society from things that are bad for them or things that are bad for society. There are internal restraints, which are the product of someone's beliefs. I don't agree with that action. I'm not going to do that action. I don't want to be associated with that action. An internal restriction. Or there are, of course, external restrictions. That's against the law. You can't do it. Self-restraint, the first part of that restraint, is largely related to 
your personal belief system, which is largely related to whatever faith system you subscribe to. What we have now, and you see this in these vile displays at gay pride parades where naked adults are cavorting in front of children on public streets, naked adults, naked, cavorting, twerking in front of little children. This is the elevation of atheism to the religion of the day. It is. The denial of God has become a religion on the left. Bill Barr calls it an atheocracy. A theocracy is a nation that is founded on the laws of God. An atheocracy is a nation that is founded on a denial of God. And that's what we are becoming rapidly. An atheocracy. That's why it's so troubling to me. When I heard... One of my cohorts, one of my colleagues here at work today, relate to me a situation that he observed, overheard, at his church on Sunday, where a parishioner went up to the pastor and said, you know, you didn't mention anything in your service about Roe versus Wade. And the pastor was like, I don't, let's leave the politics out of this. Abortion, the killing of children, after they've been conceived in the womb is of course a political matter, but it is not first and foremost a political matter. It is first and foremost a life matter, a a faith matter. I hope that pastor reacquaints himself with the Ten Commandments. His answer to me is that of a pastor who doesn't want his numbers to go down, doesn't want his attendance to go down, doesn't want his giving to go down, doesn't want his salary to go down, doesn't want there to be any fallout of anyone who might be made uncomfortable in his church by being forced to confront a belief system, pro-abortion, that is not in line with God's call on their life. That is the job of the church, to make people uncomfortable with their beliefs that are not grounded in biblical truth. That is why churches exist. If they do not exist for that reason, and there are a lot of them that do not exist for that reason, too many of them that do not exist for that reason, then we're just playing at church. We're not really worshiping. We're not really following. So, I gain a lot of respect for Bill Barr based upon those comments from that speech this weekend.